It's the remix. The expectation, all that kind of stuff, who says it? Honestly, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Whether they don't say anything or they say a lot, nobody cares. Hopefully they talk about us at the end. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but right now, that crap don't matter. Makeup stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the game's going to be in, in, in Munich, uh, which Bavaria is kind of the rival state to my home state, uh, uh, Baden-Württemberg, but they do do a decent job. Uh, I definitely recommend the, the white sausages with the, the sweet mustard. Got to get you some of those. Uh, get you some beer. Get you some wheat beer, you know. If you're an athlete, you know, not an alcoholic, they have that, but uh, the, the beers, uh, of course, up there. And then just uh, the standard schnitzel, uh, Schweinshaxen probably, and Käseschwätzle. There you go. If you can translate that afterwards, you know. <laughs> the groins aren't very good usually. I'm 33 years old, and, you know, toilet paper's different, you know. You know, the beds are different. You know, it's no TV in, in, uh, in, in the dorm room. You know, it's, uh, it's a little bit different. Got to... Got to make up your bed and change it and do all that type of stuff every day. It, it, it takes some getting used to, but I'm all for it. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. I'm under the impression in, like, Germany and Austria, you eat sausage at least once a day. I would con- I not mean, confirm that, but I would think you're okay. right about that. I mean, Ed. Have you been to Germany? No, I was going to say. I think we've we found your uh, your next like uh, your next piece on Jakob Johnson. <laughs> All right, so how much sausage are we talking about here? I had a uh, German uh, TV station there yesterday for Jakob. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just like Otani. Good guys, good guys. Yeah, just like Otani. <laughs> were they very uh, were, were they very straight laced? They were pretty. They're pretty funny. They're pretty oh, funny. okay. They, they wow. Enjoyed, you, you don't. You don't hear a lot of humor from enjoyed, the German people. They enjoyed practice a little too much in the heat. Oh. I was like, you know, it's hot, right? <laughs> no, not no. At it's all. like it feels like 120 out here, right? Perfectly fine. So, um, we started the show with our first bite, um, questioning as Devonte Adams has led us to: Is Derek Carr a Hall of Famer? Um, Rebel Bird said. Rebel Redbird said, No, he's not. Um, Fernando said Carr not a Hall of Famer. Fernando also said that uh, he was wrong about my lights and that they are in eighth place. They're in sixth place, Fernando. Let's get it right over yeah. here. But he's now giving that's like the most complimentary thing Fernando's that's as ever said. Positive as he's gonna be. Right. And then uh Michael said if there's a lower Hall of Fame for okay quarterbacks that haven't won anything, sure. But he isn't going hey. to be a Hall of Famer for floating in the second half of ten best quarterbacks in the NFL list. For eight years and not winning games that matter. No. I think that's a... That's a really fair assessment. That's a fair assessment right there. That's what it is. Um, so, Derek Carr, not a Hall of Famer. We have broken that ground yeah. today on the press a box. Lot of Good job, everybody. A lot of hot We're the only on show that has come to that conclusion. Well... Very important research. Probably so. Yes. Very important research here. Um, now, a topic that we've talked about throughout the offseason has not had any resolution whatsoever... But Darren Waller said over the weekend he will not hold out. Uh, he said he is leaving the contract talks up to his agent and said that whatever happens, I'm here playing. So Darren Waller basically stating he will not hold out. We've He's given no indication that he would hold out. His contract scenario, he is, I believe, the 16th highest paid tight end in football has no guaranteed money left on his current deal and has two years left on his current deal. 
obviously Darren Waller is better than the 16th or 17th best tight end in football. Um, he deserves to be paid more based on his play and based on what his peers make at the position and the no guaranteed money, I think is a big deal here. Is Darren Waller being too nice for his own good? I mean, I think he should be holding out. I do too. (laughs) I think he should be holding out. I do too. I think he should be more selfish for his own good, right? For his own. What are they telling him at this point? That's the curious part here. Or what are they telling his agent? I guess. And, the Raiders have, what are they? Is it 21, 22? Is it more than that? Million in cap space? Whatever it is. They've oh, yeah. Got, Post 20. Maybe it's 26. They've got over 20 yeah, million in, ton in of cap, cap space. space. Right? They could give Waller more money right now sure. if they so desired. However, if I'm the Raiders and he's willing to play, I'm not giving him anything. But do they do anything with Waller? Before this season starts, do we get, like, does he get some sort of extension? Does he get some sort of raise? Does he get both of those? Does he maybe get just the money guaranteed for this year and next year or something? Like, do they do anything with Darren Waller's contract? I mean, I think you can guarantee his money this year and next year and not have to sign him to a big extension. There is something here about Darren Waller and that front office that we don't know yet. Maybe they think he's on, you know, the wrong end of the age. I don't know what it is, but they pretty quickly did did uh, Hunter. Uh, didn't they pretty fast do Max Crosby? Crosby was right away. Yeah, he was right away. Crosby was like the first thing. I mean, Hunter Renfro. um, So I don't, I'm trying to figure out, and I don't know this for a fact, that there's some feeling within that management of why they haven't given this guy a big extension. So Waller, so here's the reasons. Waller's going to turn 30 in September. So during the very beginning of the season, he'll turn 30. He is under contract for this year and under contract for next year. So basically his age 30 and his age 31 season. So if you're giving Waller an extension beyond those two years, you are now paying for Darren Waller when he is 32, 33, Mm -hmm. 34, however long that contract ends up going. So you're paying for him 32 plus on the age scale there. And generally speaking, NFL players, once they get into their 30s, are not as good as they were when they were in their 20s. Quarterbacks usually are the big exception. There's some exceptions at other positions, but quarterbacks generally being one of the main exceptions there. But once you hit 32 and you're either a skilled position guy or a guy that's got to hit everybody for a living, you're not as good at it anymore. Right. And so you're paying, you'd be paying Darren Waller for his past production with him most likely to decline in production. The other argument for why you wouldn't pay Darren Waller, give him an extension or anything is that, you now have two high-dollar receivers. Not that Hunter Renfro is making a ton of money, but you have two. You've committed quite a bit of money to Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. And next offseason, you're likely going to have more holes to fill, right? We're probably talking after this offseason, hey, they really need to fix the offensive line. Hey, the secondary is still an issue. Patrick Mahomes torched him again, whatever. Like, they're going to have more holes to fill, and you're probably going to look at it and say, well, we've got Adams and Renfro. The third good pass-catching option is more of a luxury than a necessity, so we're not going to give him the big deal. There's legitimate reasons for the Raiders not to give Darren Waller anything. There are legitimate reasons not to give him an extension, not to give him a raise, to not even guarantee his money. You wouldn't honestly. guarantee his money with the cap space that you have already? I think if I were the Raiders, well, here's the thing. that I don't think that would impact even the cap. I think you could guarantee his money and, and if the cap hit stays the same. If I were the Raiders, it depends on how much Waller's pushing me, right? If Waller, or I guess his agent, if his agent's not really saying anything, 
I can't believe that, or he's not a good agent. Exactly. But if his agent's not really pushing me a lot, I'm not going to do anything. Now, if his agent is sort of pestering me and being like, listen, Darren's not very happy. Right. He's going to play this year, but, but you're you're really like making him angry. My sort of olive branch would be, well, we'll guarantee your money this year. And if he was like, really, that's it? Then I'd be like, okay, we'll guarantee half of it for next season too, or something like that. Because again, he's not making a lot of money. You're not guaranteeing he's a like lot of seven. Million? It's like eight million, eight I think, million or something. So like. I, I think that would be my olive branch to be like, hey, we're going to guarantee your money. So whatever you get hurt or something, you're still getting all the money this year and half of next season or whatever that number ends up being like that would be my olive branch. But if I'm the Raiders, I'm not I'm not giving Darren Waller an extension. I'm not giving him a raise like maybe if he has an awesome season this year. But I don't think Darren Waller is going to have a like ridiculously good season. I think he's going to have a fine season, but it's not going to be like, oh. You've got to lock that I guy up. I can buy into guaranteeing his money. Yeah, I think if I'm the Raiders, that would be what I would be right. willing to do. To Guarantee sort of, the $8 million. Right, to sort of temporarily appease right. Darren Waller. I think that's what I would do if I were the team. And like I said, if I was Darren Waller, I'd be holding out. Yeah. Because the real the real thing for Darren Waller, his if you look at his career, obviously had his issues with substance abuse, mm-hmm. right? And didn't have a legitimate career until he, what, turned 27 or something like that. Like, he did not have that sort of first contract to make money off of and then started playing for nothing for the Raiders and then eventually got this ex- uh, this extension that's paying about $8 million a year. So he's making money. But Darren Waller, in terms of when is he going to make, like, life-changing money, generational-changing money, it's, like, it should be right now. Right? Because no, it should be if immediately. He, if he plays his out, age. Yeah, if he plays out the two years on this current contract. And he's and 32. Then, and then looks to sign a new one, he's probably not getting a massive right. deal. Right, The cap will go up and everything, so he might actually make more money in 32 than he does right now because somebody might be willing to do it. But like, if he were to cash in big time on a contract, it would be right now. Right. This is when he would need to do it because most likely his value will be lower in two years right. than it is. So this is when he would need to do it. So if I were him... I would be holding out and what what that ultimately would mean you hold out and either a the Raiders pay you you come to an agreement and you get that bigger contract b the Raiders trade you to a team that, that is willing to give you that contract right. and therefore money wise you're good or c the only way it plays out poorly if Waller holds out is if the Raiders just say we're not paying you and nobody wants to trade for right. you so go for it yeah. Lose, all, lose all the money by holding right. out. Then you don't get the money. You lose and, money. Right. The reason if I'm Waller that I think I'd be comfortable holding out is the Raiders have kind of gone all in this year. Mm-hmm. And it would look really bad for the front office for Josh McDaniels. To have done Dave all they've done. And then let, and Darren, then let Waller Darren Waller sit out. Sit out. I, it did look really bad for them to do that. So I think if you're Waller, you've got a little bit of leverage to say, you're not tanking this year. Like you're, right. you're trying to win this year and you're going to do it without me. Good luck with that. Especially if they got off to like a one and four, two and three start. And you're looking around saying, Oh, where's they going? Like, I think if I were Waller, I, I would be holding out, but he's, I would too. he's being selfless. He's being a nice selfish. Guy. I think he's being too nice for his own good. I think we need, we need Darren Waller holding out there. That's what I would do. So I, what do you think happens? Ultimately what happens? I think if they would have extended by now, they would have done it by now. I don't understand so what too. the holdup yeah, is. Yeah, I think so too. I don't. What uh, you've got all that, uh, like you said, you've got all that cap space. I don't know w- what the deal is. I mean, they took care of Renfro, they took care of Crosby. There's really no one else I think that's in line. Uh, um, is no. it Perryman? 
Maybe, but I mean, but not nothing like Darren Waller right, in terms be, of being be, in line for an extension. Exactly, and they haven't done it yet. Yeah, and I don't understand why. Yeah. So my guess, I would guess nothing happens. Like Darren Waller, this is not the first time he said he'll play too. Like, right. My guess is that because Darren Waller has said this publicly, that's what he's telling them, or his agents telling him privately, whatever. That Darren Waller is going to play this year, and the Raiders are going to say, "Well, we're not giving you anything. Like that's your contract. Your contract. Your contract. You're going to play through it." That would be my guess as to what happens here. And then next off season is when we're talking about they have to make a decision, extension or or trade or moving them. Because I I can't imagine if Waller plays this year without anything new, I cannot imagine him playing next year no. on that. Con- he, he would have to hold out. Would have like the only way I think Waller's not holding out next year is if he like has an injury riddled season, plays like six games, just is not productive. And the next year it's like, well, we hope we can get a full season out of him and he doesn't really have a ground to stand on because he'd have two injury seasons in a row. That maybe, but if he had if he plays 14 plus games and has 800 or more receiving yards. I, he's got to hold out next season. Like you just have, like just for your own well-being. Even if you're like, oh, this team could win the Super Bowl, you just for your yeah. own good, you'd have to hold out in that scenario. It'd be pretty bad. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's briefs. Bischoff's briefs. Throwing out random numbers authoritatively is the best way to pass as a baseball expert. Bischoff's briefs. By the way, it's commendable how many baseball players care so deeply about the Equal Rights Amendment. Bischoff's Briefs. Somebody get me some antibiotics because that ball is gonorrhea. Bischoff's Briefs. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll talk to Paul Gutierrez. Plus, we got tickets to the Evo Championship at Mandalay Bay next weekend. Um, Bischoff's briefs today, though, some UNLV basketball. Mike Gramala had a report that UNLV is going to be without two players for their preseason exhibitions in Canada. Elijah Harkless and Vic Ewalker will not uh, be playing in those games. UNLV is going to Canada preseason trip in August. They're going to play three games against either semi-professional or like universities in Canada. Uh, you get to do that every three years, go on an international trip and UNLV is going to Vancouver, but they won't have two players playing. And I'll give you two overreactions to this because it's late July. The bas- college basketball season's quite a ways away. But first off on Vicky Waka, he has a shoulder injury. He played 19 games last year. According to Mike, it's uh, he's rehabbing from shoulder surgery. That's the shoulder he hurt last season. He missed the first nine games of last season and then made his debut, missed two games, and then he did play in 18 of the last 20 games of the season. But talking to Kevin Kruger during last season, he was never really at 100%, right? He was always playing somewhat dinged up, and now he's had surgery to recover. I don't know if it's... I don't know what the expectation is, but I don't know that we should actually assume that Vic Iwako is actually going to be 100% healthy at any point during this season. Like if he is, that's nice, but I don't know that we should actually go into the season assuming they're going to get I mean, if he had shoulder surgery and he's still missing these exhibitions then Right, I it does totally seem like agree. a it's long time. It's kind of like the time. Robin Leonard thing, like really when, re, when's he really coming back? Right, cuz the season ended in early March right. for UNLV. It's a long time. 
and we're talking about missing August and then uh, September and then, hey, the season's right. here in October. We're running out of time there. So that one, I'm curious, like, do we ever actually get fully healthy, full strength Victor Iwako? I don't know. And at this point, I think it's best to just assume you won't. And that's you might get some useful minutes out of him. But at the end of the day, you're probably not getting full strength Vicky Iwako. The other one is Elijah Harkless. And this is where my overre this is where I think I might have an overreaction. This entire Canada trip is pointless. <laughs> is that your hot take? You had a few hot takes today. Elijah Harkless might be UNLV's most important player. Probably their best player. Probably. He was the highest ranked transfer that they got. He's coming from Oklahoma. He scored 10 points per game, right? which is not a big number, but he's taking, you know, a step down in level. He was not super efficient at Oklahoma offensively, but there's a legitimate chance that Elijah Harkless is their leading scorer this season. There's a legitimate shot. He is the number one option on offense. I, me personally, if UNLV is going to be an NCAA tournament level team, somebody has to ascend above Elijah Harkless, right? That's what they need right. is somebody to sort of have a m- massive breakout year and is a better than Elijah Harkless on offense. But there's a legitimate chance he's the number one option on offense. And even if he's not, he's the number two or the number three option on offense. And then defensively, he's regarded as a shutdown defender. He's regard like he's probably going to be the best defender on this team. Right. So you're talking about your best defensive player and potentially your leading player on offense. And he's going to play, I assume, the most minutes on the team this year. Right. Unless he's got a knee injury. Right. Unless he's injured or has like significant foul problems throughout the season. I don't know. He might be a foul prone guy, but like I assume he's going to play the most minutes on the team and he's going to miss these preseason games. What's the point? Like, imagine last year's ah, team. There's, other, there's a lot of other new guys, though. <sighs> imagine last year's team if Bryce Hamilton wasn't playing in their preseason. They didn't have a preseason exhibition, but he wasn't playing. What would have been the point of that? Their entire offense revolved around, here's Bryce Hamilton with the yeah, ball. Yeah, but do you think the entire offense is going to revolve around Elijah No, Harkless? not to that level. But if he's the number one option, now you're going into these preseason games and guys are going to be asked to do things that they will not be asked to do in the regular if season. If, in fact, he's healthy. Right. If he's not healthy, then this is not useless. This is very important because you're yes, going to find out. You have to find out who the hell can play. Who can play. <laughs> but if, assuming Elijah Harkless comes back and plays, you know, the regular season, most of the games, then this, I mean, yes, you're going to learn about the guys. It's not completely pointless, but. You get one of these every three years, and they might be wasting it when their best player, most important player, isn't able to play in it. That's a hot take. It I is hope, a hot I take. I hope Kruger's listening. Yes. I told you ahead <laughs> of time. It's completely pointless. It's overreactions, what but it is. There? It is. I mean, yeah. It's a new, there's a whole bunch of new guys on the roster. You need to learn about a lot of these guys. Whatever. The number one Whatever. guy on the team okay. is not going to be Whatever. There. The number one guy. You got like 20 on the new team. guys. You got to you, you don't want to learn about any of them. You got you don't have Elijah Harkless on the uh If the Canada number trip. one guy isn't there, whatever. <laughs> I'm I'm going to say they should still go. They've got the practices. They've got well, all they these new faces. Go got, well, you have to go now. You've committed to it, but you've got all these extra practices where you can learn a lot of stuff about your team. You get the three games against Eh, we're not even sure that what the competition is going to be. But on those trips, you never know what the competition is going to be. 
it could be like high school kids and then it could be college kids or semi-pro you do, those trips are very strange one game they play a bunch of 16 year olds yeah the next game they, they play like 35 35 year old guys yeah who knows who just who knows what it's gonna be exactly minutes uh the part i'm curious about though the most the last time UNLV did this was when Marvin Menzies was the head coach, and they went to – did they go to the Bahamas? I can't remember. They went to somewhere in the Caribbean or something like that, and they did not stream the games. Right. And this is, like, one of the funniest things that happened during Marvin Menzies' tenure because I – because multiple – like, Wake Forest and Purdue played these same teams in the Bahamas or wherever it was, and all of those games were streamed on the Internet – UNLVs were by not, their specific schools. No, no, by the the people putting oh, by on. The, by, by the people, there was like a the group putting on the games right, that right. set it up, and they were streaming them all. Except the UNLV games were not streamed. And when I reached out to the group that was streaming them, I said, "Why are the UNLV games not streamed?" The guy responded, and he was like, "Can you make some noise about this? Because UNLV asked us not to stream their oh. games." And he was like, we want all these streamed. We want our guys that are playing from whatever country it was to get some as much recognition as possible. Can you like make this a big deal? And I was like, well, nobody listens to me, but I'll, I'll say something about it. But Marvin Menzies asked them not to stream the games. How early in his tenure? It was his first year. Oh. Yeah. Well, I still think it's I still think it's silly. Oh, it's completely ridiculous. Yeah. Like, uh oh, we're playing these random oh, kids man. from the Caribbean. They lost to the Caribbean right. kids like 88-76. We can't let you see how good Tyrell Green is this year. <laughs> Might give away some secrets. But so I'm very curious. Are these gonna be streamed? I don't know. I'm I'm it's 2022, so fingers crossed, let's stream them. Like it's you know, act like it's a normal thing. But I'm guessing Kevin Kruger's not going to shut down streaming. I would hope not. <laughs> like Marvin Menzies did. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things that ever happened was the guy being like, oh, yes, UNLV doesn't want them streamed. Please yell about it because <laughs> we want to stream them. And they never got streamed. It's disappointing. So, I love you. Hey, there he is. I love this guy. So we'll see. I hope they're streamed so I can tell you, nope, they're all meaningless. Elijah Harkless isn't here. Coming up next, Paul Gutierrez joins the show. For, I'll answer the easy one first. Um, so for me, it's a lot easier if you're saying my full name. It's a lot easier to say Foster Moreau. Uh, I get that. I understand that. It kind of sequences into each other really well. I've never really minded it, and it's never really mattered to me. Uh, the way my dad always said it was Moro, like M O R R O W or M O R E dash O H. Uh, so that done, it, it, it doesn't really affect me, but I'm glad you watched Will's podcast. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Um, back to the press box summer edition. Joining us now from ESPN is Paul Gutierrez. Paul is Adam Hill, the best investigative reporter to get to the bottom of how Foster Morrow pronounces his last name. Well, if he doesn't get a, a couple of kicks there for, for Nevada Sports Writer of the Year, a couple <laughs> mentions, then I don't know what's going on. And uh, with that being a uh, multiple-time winner, I'm sure he can put in a good word. Uh, taking the shot. Ed, you're going to lose out to the Foster Morrow story. <laughs> I should. I should use it. Once he tracked down the guy's dad, I said, okay, that the running is done for this year. It's over. He's the guy. Uh, yeah. Um, you're gonna have to ease on down that road. How should we handle Devonte Adams talking himself into a problem of is Derek Carr a Hall of Famer or not? 
Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, the guys are always going to support their, their own, right? Especially when such a big storyline this offseason was Devontae coming to play with his college buddy, you know, and, and things like that. So he's always going to have his back no matter what. And yet there's a fine line that he's got to walk because um, I, he admitted yesterday that, that he knew the question was coming and it was the last one of the day, again, by future uh, Nevada Sports Writer of the Year, Adam Hill, <laughs> asking the question. <laughs> Uh, you know, he has, he has to walk a fine line because he's got to be true to himself because right now is Derek Carr a Hall of Famer? No. And he said it himself. Can he potentially get there someday? Sure. Why not? So he had to kind of clarify without taking back exactly what he said <laughs> the first time. So it was a very fine line, a, a high tightrope that he had to walk. But I think he did a good job. And if he can walk tight ropes like that, those toe-touch uh, sideline uh, routes that he's going to run, those, those are going to be even better to see. I know you wrote a story about it. Um... I, I told Tyler I was more confused when he left the room than when he came in. I did I was like, What what did he just say? Yeah, it took it took a while. It took probably about half an hour to transcribe the two minute kind of explanation that he had. But it was fun and I get it and I totally understand what he's doing. And and you know, even when he said it and when I I saw the interview the first time I thought I think he might be missing a word there, but I don't know, maybe he's just trying to pump his guy up. Whatever, you know, it's one of those things where the Raiders, and he said it himself, you know, the Raiders are the only team in camp when that happens, and uh, everybody's looking for content. And, you know, the way journalism and social media is today, everything becomes kind of a gotcha moment. That was it for the day. Now it was the story for a weekend, now it's gone. Is Darren Waller being too nice for his own wallet? Hmm. Well, I don't think there's any question that he deserves to be, you know, if he's a top three tight end, potentially top two, and he's only the 17th best paid tight end in the league, then I guess the answer is obvious. Yes. Um, but I don't know, because I, if he's complaining and he's whining, you know, or at least being perceived as that, um, then that's not going to help him much either. And then he's just such a stand-up guy and a guy who's really seen uh, the worst that life has to offer by his own uh, admission, you know, with his, his uh, substance abuse issues that he had earlier in his career that he's come out of. Uh, I think, you know, I asked him something about, you know, how hard it is to compartmentalize wanting to just play football, but also wanting, needing, and deserving a new contract. And he said he just basically takes the mindset, and it reminded me of JFK. He asked not what, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He, he said the same thing, that he looks at it this way. He wants to know what he can add to this team and to – people into this world rather than what he can get from them. So as long as he maintains that mindset, I think he's fine on the field. If they don't extend him and they have him play this year, have you come up with some reasons? As, I mean, you know, they did Renfro, they did Crosby right away. What, because he is the 17th pace side tight end, which is a joke. Any reasons why you think this doesn't get done What on their side of things internally? What could they be thinking to say, you know what, we're just going to have you play here and we're not going to extend you. Because if they want, in my opinion, they want to see exactly how he fits in this offense. And we've all known that, that the Patriots' offense with, with McDaniels calling the plays was, was a tight end, pretty, pretty much a tight end heavy, slot receiver heavy kind of an offense with Tom Brady and, and Gronkowski and, and, and guys like that. So my opinion, just kind of watching this, is they kind of want to see how it plays out because you do know that he's not going to approach those numbers that he had two years ago when he had over 100 catches uh, when he went to the Pro Bowl or was named to the Pro Bowl during the pandemic season. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the, the teeth-gnashing moment, I think, from the, the money side of Darren Waller and his agents and people that are looking at things like that. Because you add Devontae Adams, yeah, you make your team better. 
But then you look at Hunter Hunter Renfro last year with 103 catches. Uh, you know, is there enough football to, to 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 share for these guys to get those numbers? And if you get the numbers, then you can go to the table and say, "Hey, look, this is what I have." So I don't I don't think they're trying to squeeze him for anything. It's just trying to see exactly how he fits because if Foster Morrow can uh, you know get the same kind of numbers, how much cheaper would he be at that point? And it's just you know it's just business, and a lot of times it's a dirty business and it's an unforgiving business. What do you think happens before the season starts? Does anything get done, or does he just play on his current contract with no guaranteed money? Well, the way he spoke in public, uh, I think he's given the the, the Patriots, he's given the Raiders <laughs> the, 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 the wherewithal <laughs> to just go ahead and play it out and see what happens. Um, does he deserve it? No doubt. Uh, but he's not the guy that's going to kind of raise a stink either. Although it has been interesting to see Darren making himself more public this offseason and doing a podcast here, a podcast there, uh, a local radio interview uh, across the country to kind of just keep his name out there. And he's not going out there and saying, hey, give me a contract, but he's not denying it either, and he's letting his agency handle uh, that end of thing. All right, we know it's just been short. Uh, we've been out there in the heat watching this, and there's no pads until next Wednesday. And even Josh McDaniels kind of scoffed at and laughed about, you know, what do we really know here until you get the pads on. But want to go over some position groups in terms of anything you've seen. Uh, everyone talks about the offensive line. It's really what everyone wants to know. Can you tell anything about this point, like about Alex Leatherwood or, or others, as to why how it's changed, or is that just foolish given they haven't had pads on yet? Yes, and <laughs> I fully agree with with you. And and I, it was refreshing to hear Josh McDaniel's take on it. it. Was like, look, there's only so much we can evaluate. They're running around with no pads on, and they're in shells. The thing that I, that has been most intriguing to me, though, is just where guys are lining up, especially the offensive line. And the fact that Brandon Parker has been getting most of the first-team snaps at right tackle without Alex Leatherwood kind of rotating in, Parham kind of going all up and down the line. You know, you can't really see how guys look. You can't really make a fair assessment of, oh, he looks good in space or they're moving him over here. Uh, you know, we're watching practice. We're out there. And for others to say that, you know, oh, they look good like this, well, that's fine. But I'll put, the, put the proper context in it. He looks good out there in his underwear. You know, and, and a helmet. <laughs> yeah. Because you just don't know until they put the pads on. And even when they put the pads on, guys, they're not going to be hitting full speed and going to the ground. The best stage of anything is going to be the, the battles on the line because that's where games are won and lost, anyways. But that's where you get, that's where tempers usually get heated. That's where things happen. And that's where the real competition is going to be. So at this point, it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's not much ado about nothing, but it's almost there. It's just, to me, the most intriguing part of having covered this team since 2005 is just seeing where guys are lining up. Again, once they or semi-real, then, then we can make more of a, a judgment. And, and Josh McDaniels echoed that exactly. So right now, how, many, how confident do you think McDaniels is and who his starting offensive line will be? Do you think he's got no idea, or do you think he actually does have a pretty good idea of which five he'd like to run out there? I would hope he's got an idea because if he doesn't, then he's not doing his homework, right? And that's not a shot at anybody. No, there's no doubt that he's got an idea. Otherwise, they wouldn't have certain guys lining up in certain places. But it's going to crystallize once they put the pads on, once they're actually uh, navigating through the minefield of, of live hitting on the line, at least. Because as he said, they're not going to tackle to the ground, dot, 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 ever. And that's, that's every team, basically. So, you know, he has an idea, obviously, but I think most of it's going to crystallize over the next uh, couple of weeks. And, and to me, the big question now is how much of the starters are actually going to play in the preseason? Because, you know, under John Gruden, we knew they were not going to play at all, really, if not even one series. 
But with, with Josh, you have to wonder, you know, it's a new system, new guys that, you know, the guys have to get used to him. He has to get used to them. They've got to get out there at, at least something. And you wonder, is it too soon in that Hall of Fame game? It's Jacksonville to do it. I, I believe that might actually be the perfect time to do it, but we'll see. Is it obvious who the backup quarterback is from what you've seen? Uh, to me, it's, it's a combination. Uh, Jared Stidham just looks bigger, has a stronger arm, a little bit more mobile. Again, against what, right? He's not, nobody's really chasing right. him. But, but he, and the fact that they traded for him, that tells me that he's the guy. And he knows the system already. Um, if they somehow could get something out of the Cleveland Browns for Nick Mullins, again, I'm not trying to chase Nick Mullins out of town, but, but you can get something for him because he was already there last year. You know, maybe you kind of knock on the door and see if there's something there that you can get back in return. But Mullins is, is more of the established vet, so to speak, in the league, but Stidham knows the system, and he's a bigger guy with a bigger arm. Is Josh McDaniels boring? <sighs> Define boring. Because... <laughs> You know, I you know I don't know. I don't really know him all that well. Um, you know, he, he minds his P's and Q's, and he's from the Belichick school of, of uh, press conferences. But you know, he shows a little bit of emotion, so I'll respect that. And and you have to at least give him his due for what he's done. I mean, the guy is coming in here with six Super Bowl rings, and um, whether they're because of his play calling or Belichick's defense or Tom Brady that's the trigger, you still got to realize. Well, the guy was there. I mean, the guy was there when the Patriots dynasty started and the Raiders kind of started their descent with the tuck rule game. So is he boring? I'm sure he's got a wealth of stories, but he's also from the Belichick school too. So his, his press conferences are at least a little more entertaining, I guess, than, than Belichick in terms of actually getting something. And to me, for him to actually say, again, there's only so much we can evaluate when we're out here right now, we're not hitting or anything. That to me was very telling. Well, he is Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Paul, as always, Thanks, appreciate Paul. it. Appreciate it. Hey, and if you guys want to put my name in for Nevada Sports Writer of the Year, too, but I think Adam's got it in a runaway. No, no, I'll put no. it in. I'll put it in. <laughs> don't even, don't even try. try. Don't See even you. try. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> I mean, he, he broke news on the show. Jared Stidham, big. Big? Yes. I, I mean, we got to get Adam's story at least entered, right? We got to get that story entered. Foster Morrow, how to pronounce his last name. Look, he won an award. Found the dad somehow and asked him how to pronounce. He the last found name. that dad in. Okay, so Foster left the room and everyone's like, "Oh, so, you know, you gotta write." You know, we say, "What are we writing on our lead, our calm, our notebook?" And he's like, "Oh, let me." You know, it's a fun thing. So Moreau will be, uh, Moreau will be in the uh, notebook. And at that point, I want to say within twenty minutes, he he tapped me on the shoulder. He goes, "Lyle." I'm like, who's Lyle? <laughs> That's his dad. And with like five more minutes, he had him on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific reporting. Absolutely oh, love it. Wonderful reporting. Absolutely love it. Absolutely. That's great. All right. We got tickets to give away to the Evo Championships. Two tickets for the finals on August 7th, the Evolution Championship Series 2022 Arena Finals at Mandalay Bay. The Evo Championship Series represents the world's largest and longest running fighting game tournament. With the best players from around the globe, players and fans gather at Evo in open bracket competitions that determine world champions. You can buy tickets at AXS.com or win a pair from us right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. That's 702-364-1100. You want a pair of tickets to the Evo Championship. The finals on August 7th will take caller number four at 702-364-1100. Guy. Did you uh, hear the blues there when you struck out in the, in the game there? No, man, I lost my hearing. <laughs> so you didn't hear it? Come on, man, that's a stupid question. Why is it a stupid question? 
Can anybody else answer that for him? Anybody? Yeah, man, that's a stupid question. It's not a stupid question. If it's a stupid question, you should be equipped to answer it. All right, all right, I did answer it. All right, all right. The answer we should be able to handle a stupid we got question. The, we got the answer. That, that doesn't good. mean that I can't say that it's a stupid question. It wasn't a stupid question. It's a legit question. question. If I heard the booze, is, 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 that's a rhetorical question. Of course it's a stupid question. Did you question. hear the booze? That's a stupid question. We got the answer. We're good. Thanks, guys. We're then close. you should be able to handle a stupid question. I did. You're locked in the press box. <laughs> Who was that? What was that? <laughs> that would be... Nick Castellanos of the uh, being asked like, "Hey, NHL.com. what? Nick Nick of NHL? No, the baseball That's player. That's Oh, Castellanos, the baseball. Oh, player. the yeah. baseball player. Okay, all right. Uh, he struck out, and the reporter went, "Did you hear the booze? Were, you... were they playing at home in Philly? Yeah, when okay. you struck so he's out, getting booed by his own team. Yeah, yeah, but you still struck. Like, did you hear him? Did you hear him, Dick?" Nick, did you hear him? It's a great question. Did you hear the, the Did you hear the fans boo you? I love that. Why guy. is it a dumb question? Be, Why is it a stupid question? Because of course he. Well, yes, of course he heard. No, nope, no, nope, athletes don't get to say that. Athletes forever say, "Nope, I zone everything out. I'm focused on the game. Don't I did hear it, anything." I did a joint. No, I'm deaf. <laughs> Just <laughs> as a, I lost my hearing. That's See, great. Oh, that's what but was. that would have been a good answer, and he should have moved on from there. You yeah. got your answer. It's great. No, lost I'm deaf. It's great. Terrific. I mean, it also doesn't give you uh, it doesn't give you as the player a whole lot of wiggle room of like, True. yeah, I heard him. What? And then you either go into, I don't want to call it Derek Carr mode, but it'd be, yeah, you know, I mean, I understand their frustration, and you know, we're really trying to put it together, and blah 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 blah. And instead, it's this is it's it's fun. Just be like, that's a stupid question. You're stupid. you got you got your answer. So. Somebody in my neighborhood had a very bad morning. As Uh-oh. I was leaving my neighborhood this morning, uh, there was a U-Haul in front of me, and the back door was not shut on the U-Haul. On and, all their stuff? And as they turned onto sort of a, a main road out of the neighborhood, uh, like four things fell out of the back oh, of those. Like and a, you're behind them? Well, so w- there, was a ca- there was the U-Haul, a car, and then my car right and we were pretty far away and going slow because we were like oh their back's open and then they were going to turn left and we had not got to the stop sign to turn right and as we get to the stop sign stuff falls out of their stuff (sighs) as they're turning left tables like a chair and then like a big white box or something like that not a good start to the morning when you forget forget to shut the door on the u-haul and a bunch of stuff falls out and probably broken not a great start to the morning I did more of my standings yesterday with the Padres. You did what? More of my standings. I don't look at scores anymore. Oh, Jesus. I don't look at scores anymore. It's 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 wonderful. They swept the Giants. What do you mean you're not looking at scores anymore? No, in terms of the Padres to see if they win 11 and a half last night <sighs> against the Mets. Um, so, I again, I went to standings and it was 11 and a half. I said, oh, the Padres lost. Just look at the scores. I'm bypassing just scores Just look now. at the scores. I'm who cares scores. about the standings? I'm two for two on looking at the standings, so I'll just continue two to for do that. Two. two for two. <laughs> oh, my two God. I'm looking at the standings, so I'm just going to continue to do that now. <sighs> I don't know wonderful. what to do with you. It's wonderful. It's not. It's the same as looking at the score. It's just a little You get less information looking at the standings than you do looking at the score. It's not it's ideal. Just, I don't know if they're ever going to lose again. All right. You want to know what I did Saturday night? <laughs> My fiance and I went to a string quartet concert Ooh. where they played BTS songs. 
Oh, that is cool. Oh, wow. That's Boy, really you cool. Can't get en- she can't get enough of this. How did you even find that out? It's very know. cool. But... I don't know where she found it. I mean, no, I, I would, I, I always recommend that I dated a cellist for a, like a very long time. And one of the coolest things ever is whenever she would just be like, yeah, I'm playing with Kansas. And I'd just be like, we're going to see Kansas. <laughs> it was very good. It's, it's like wild. All BTS. Oh yeah. They played like 12 BTS songs or whatever, whatever filled up an hour and a half. It was, it was very entertaining. Are BTS songs kind of long? No. How happy was she? Uh, she loved it. Thought it was great. I will say, okay, couple of notes. One, the main guy, the first violinist, I don't know what you call him, in the string quartet um, was like a 50-year-old guy from Ukraine. I don't think he knew who BTS was until he sat down to play these songs. Until he sat down. But he had like sheet. talking points that he read through, sort of be like, hey, it's this song and whatever. He was terrific, but th- I'd never been more entertained by a guy who didn't know what was going on besides this guy reading off things about BTS and everybody in the crowd cheering because they loved BTS. Also, string quartet, very uh, um, audio, very entertaining. They need some sort of visual component added to this. There needs to be a visual because otherwise you're just sort of looking at people play a violin, right, which... Right. Even if they're playing different notes, different songs, it looks the exact same as the last song yeah. they played. They need some sort of video, visual element to make this entertaining. Was Is that the quartet that plays in a small room of maybe like 50 to 75 people? There were probably like 200 people at this. Oh, okay, well, it's, BT, it's BTS. Right. Because me and my girlfriend went to a string quartet um, last year, maybe two years ago. And they played uh, Beatles songs. Okay. I think they play at different venues. Okay. So it might have been. Yeah, the same, this one was super small people. down on industrial. Yeah. Yeah. So they might play at different venues. But it was uh, very good. I enjoyed it. They And they they play a whole bunch of stuff. They do this like for the Beatles or Katy Perry. or And then they play actual like classical music too. Go check it out. I enjoyed it. It was better, more entertaining than I thought. I got to tell Jason. Nice Saturday Fitz, night was watching the Dodgers. <laughs> 